this week we are starting a new kind of summer series teaching through our statement of faith. Uh, if you go, and it's kind of what our foundational, uh, convictional understandings are uh, that we've prayerfully considered and have come from the Word of God, and, and, and we want to teach through that this summer, and we ask why, uh, why would we want to teach through that? And, and just quickly, I would say, because as the people of God, as the church, we have to have unity. We've got to walk in unity, just like Amber and I trying to parent our kids, Gavin and Brooklyn, we've got to have unity in how we walk our kids through life. We've got to have a fa- same foundational understandings if we want to be effective parents to our kids. And, and if we want to be a people that are bound together by one call, one purpose, one person in Christ, we've got to have a shared foundational understanding. This is not brainwashing. This is not, uh, you know, this is not trying to achieve some homogenous expression. We love that we are all different. We love the diversity that we have uh, in different ways. Um, we love the fact that we all have different questions and even in some ways have different answers. So to say that we have unity does not mean that we all agree, but it means that we are striving to surrender our understandings to one truth, to one God. And these truths are convictional truths that we feel the Lord has led us to through his truth, his, his authoritative word in scripture. So, so there must be unity. We see that in Philippians 2, 2, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So we see the charge, we see the importance. Uh, so thinking through this, I'm, I'm trying to lay this groundwork because I just, there's some other things you want to talk about this morning as well. Um, but Thinking about where we hold tightly, we want to hold tightly in unity through the essentials. When I say unity here, I mean that we share conviction here. And these are the things that are essential to who God is and how he achieved salvation for us in Christ. Those are the essentials of faith, the essentials of Christian doctrine, the essentials of what we find our identity in. And so we want to have unity in those things. And then in the areas of of conviction and doctrine that are non-essential, maybe maybe baptism, uh, mode of baptism, maybe drinking, things like that. We want to uh, be, be uh, diligent. We want to be humble. We want to be respectful. Uh, we want to offer charity and grace to walk alongside each other well, pursuing to honor the Lord and uh, shepherd and pastor one another through those things. Uh, and like I said, our statement of faith uh, comes through a prayerful reading of Scripture. Our statement of faith is shared with our denomination. Some of you don't even know what that is. That's okay. We're part of the EFCA just so you know, we can talk about that later. But we, as a denomination, we're more of a network of local church bodies. We share, we all share the same, uh, the same statement of faith. The statement of faith is guiding truth for why we do what we do, how we go about it. Again, it comes from the word, not just a bunch of guys or ladies sitting in a room. Uh, the other reason that we would uh, say that we want to teach you this is for unity, but also because in Scripture we see that as a people, as a family of God, we are called to, to a life of submitting, to submission. First, we have to submit to God as our Creator and as our Sovereign Lord. We have to submit to His Word as His way of us knowing Him and leading us. We have to submit to the leadership of the local church as He has given them to steward His people and His mission. And we have to submit to one another. A lot of submitting. 
It's all for God's glory and for our good. We see in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, it says, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we, we, we seek unity, and we, we find that the freedom is actually in submission, starting from who God is all the way down to the expression of His loving character through us, the church, those who are redeemed in Christ. And we do that by all the way down to, again, we all submit to one another, putting each other first, living for one another, all for the glory of God and the sake of the other. I mean, I think about that for the sake of one another. Like, does that hit you? Like, it's going to be an emotional morning, so <coughs> just bear with me. Like, uh, this is my first time to be back up here in five weeks. Um, so, uh, and it's all just built up, and the Lord's been working and challenging me, and so just kind of hang on for the ride and just listening to what is happening and, the, and looking at our world. You know, before we look at our first article, our first statement about who God is, which is where we're going, which don't worry, like we, we do have time in mind, um, and m much of the content in the teaching is going to come outside of this time this morning between you. So just gear up for that. Again, that's why those questions in the Bible app would be helpful for you to consider. Um, but I feel it necessary to pause for a moment to discuss just what's happening in our world, you know. Uh, on the one hand, and I'm, I'm referring specifically just to to Alton Sterling and and uh, and Philando Castile and the, and the shootings of the police officers in Dallas and and just the, the the in Orlando. I was on vacation when when the shooting in Orlando happened, um, and and then we just hear it seems like every week there's multiple terrorist attacks, and those are just the ones that get reported. Um, and then just, again, sitting with Mark and Michelle and hearing kind of what they go through. And, I mean, you know, you, you hear this and we feel like the world is unraveling. And, I, and, I, and, and maybe, maybe it is getting worse, but I know the problem is the same as it's always been, is that we live in a world cursed by sin. We live in a world that is marred. The image of God is marred in His people because of our rebellion. There is a need, a crying out, and a yearning for restoration and, and, and I, I, as I was sitting on vacation in Florida, I remember looking at Amber and just kind of thinking about uh, being in Montrose, you know, that, that, that has a, a strong uh, affection and presence of the LGBT community and uh, pastoring here and <laughs> just thinking about like, uh, man, <laughs> someone else preached. Uh, uh, getting ahead of myself. We're supposed to mourn with those who mourn later in my talk. Um, golly. Uh, but I, I remember just looking at Amber and saying, uh, I can't say it. Do you remember what I said? I can't say it. <laughs> I don't want to be a pastor right now. It's just hard, like, Man, um, uh, I knew it was going to be an emotional morning, but I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Um, there are people hurting. 
Oh, and we see these <laughs> Sorry. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> it's like someone else say something. Well, I don't know. I gotta crack jokes so I can get ahead. We see these needless lines drawn and in the name of truth, like just more violence extended just with words and with justifications and And we, for those who have called on Christ, it just has to be heartbreaking for us to see that. Um, I don't know why I'm looking at my notes like they're. Uh, um, can I put? I'm sorry. Um, I think about Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. And he was there with his family, at the grave of his friend who had died. And he wept. We talked about this in here before. And, and why did Jesus weep? And I think he wept on a very personal level, on a very relational level. Because he understood the hurt of those that he loved and those that loved Lazarus. And we see in Romans twelve fifteen it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. You know, and we want to figure out, I'm going to come back to Lazarus in a second, we want to figure out how we should respond in situations where we see we see uh, just the violence of, of sinfulness expressed and we see hate poured out and we have sticky, you know, thinking of the LGBT community and, 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 and racism and, you know, with LGBT, it's like, well, you know, and again, I know that we don't talk about this much because we tend to teach what Scripture teaches, and so we only teach what we come to in Scripture. Um, but here at the bridge, very lovingly and humbly, we say, uh, asking for a lot of grace and patience, that we would say that our conviction is that Scripture teaches us that homosexuality is a sin, meaning that it is not how God designed His creation, that marriage is for one man and one woman for their life. And we know that that is a hard, hurtful thing for those who are gay, who, who do find uh, belonging in relationship um, in, their re in, in those loved ones that they have. But we humbly have to proclaim that because it's what we feel like God's good truth has laid out and is our conviction because it is his truth and he is good and loving that we feel like, and because his word has led us to that, we have to lovingly and humbly proclaim that. And, yet, and we see that in this, in this moving in that direction, all of a sudden to come across, along someone who is hurting and is mourning, to put an arm around and say, I love you, all of a sudden the church is saying, no, we can't do that because that's condoning something. And, <laughs> and, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
and all of his other commands are important, but they flow through that. And, and so thinking about, like, thinking about why we cry, why we mourn, why we should be compelled to step in any situation where there is hurting, because the reason, the foundational reason that Jesus wept to the tomb of Lazarus, knowing full well that he was about to raise him from the dead, he went there with that intent. It wasn't like all of a sudden God, God like turned his light bulb on and he had this grand idea. Wait, I got an idea. He, he went there. It was, he waited to make sure that, that Lazarus was good and dead and there could be no other way to explain him coming out of the grave other than that something miraculous had happened. So Jesus knew this was about to happen, but he wept. Yes, because of his empathy with his loved ones, but more because he, again, once again saw the need of his beloved creation. He saw an impact and effect of the, of the world that was fallen away from the way he, that he designed it and desired it. God created us to be in unity with him, to be in fellowship with him. He created this world perfect and good. He did not create evil. He created all things good, just as darkness it's not a thing that can exist on its own. It is only the absence of light. Evil is the same thing. So it was not that God created evil. He created all things good. And but yet, because he also desires relationship with those he created, one of the key aspects of relationship is the choice to love or not. If there is no choice. Can you call it a relationship? And in that choice, we chose. Man chose to rebel. And in that, there was a fall. And again, there was this this just this violence against God's loving desire for his people. So when Jesus wept, he wept because once again it was made apparent the reality of his loved ones being departed, being separated from him. And so we think about the LGBT community or, or, or racism. Now, golly, I mean, how crazy is it that someone would say, well, you know what, who cares whether he who cares whether his gun was visible or not? Just don't resist. Do what the police ask. You know, and I'll tell you, like, I have been extremely just convicted over the safe distance at which I have been allowed to think on this. Like, I've had to struggle to find, I mean, I'm just wanting to be real with you guys. Like, as I think on on, on Alton Sterling and Fondo Castile, just the most two recent experience, uh, examples. Like, I'm like, uh, I know it's, there's something not right here, but I, I've, I've got this safe distance. And, and I'm thankful for Amber because she doesn't. And the Lord uses her to, just to open my eyes so often. And, and like reading, reading a couple of posts and responses and, you know, and oh, you just don't resist and you won't get shot. And I'm like, how impersonal can you be? This is a life taken. This is a cherished creation, a person that God created in his image for his purpose, and he yearns for him to know life. And once again, it is an evidence of what is broken, and we cannot stay at a safe distance anymore. There is a problem. And again, like, I am asking the Lord to work in me. Um, Amber's bringing me along. Um, you know, I, but I, I honestly don't feel like I have much skin in the game thinking about what Mark and Michelle said, you know, of, of our need for Christ and talking last night about just some of the relationships and things they faced and, 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 and it's, when she said it this morning, of the most dangerous places on your knees and it's when you see that there is no other hope, there is no other satisfaction, there is no other remedy outside of Christ. 
where we find ourselves on our knees, when we find ourselves having skin in the game. And so, you know, I, I look at my life, and I, I humbly look at our community, and I'm, I love what the Lord is doing, but I also ask, does, does my life and our community reflect the diversity of the gospel? You know, are we stepping outside of what is comfortable to us? Am I stepping outside of what's comfortable to us? Um, and so, oh gosh, I, I'm sorry, uh, are we talking about statement of faith right now? I think we are. It all relates. Um, and so uh, my prayer for us today is that we would respond as Jesus does. And I know I've, I think I just, I don't even know if I said anything, honestly. Maybe the Lord will use that to stir something. Um, maybe it was just therapy for me to just be able to throw up on you guys. Um, and I thank you for that. Um, but how how should we respond in in these situations um, we, we, where we are trying to be convictional, faithful, loving, invitational? And I say we respond as Jesus did and does. He he ran to the wounded. He ran to the fire. John one fourteen says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory." Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Run to the wounded. Run to the hurting. Don't, you know, if the thought crosses your mind, should I do something? Should I say something? The answer is yes. Value every person as one created in the image of God. Genesis 127, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Every single person. As I said, mourn with those who mourn. If we have no other reason to mourn, do it because we see it in Christ. He mourned. And he has way more hope than we do. He mourned. Mourning is not defeat. Mourning is coming alongside and loving well and identifying with and understanding and stepping in the gap on behalf of. Speak truth to those who are in power. Again, like as the Lord leads, right? Write a letter to the officials, lobby. Do it respectfully, do it in love, but let's, let's speak up for what, again, God created this world to be. God is for human flourishing. He cre- All of his will and his law is for our good. Not for our prosperity, but for our flourishing. I think of the adulterous woman who was being stoned, and Jesus looked at the Pharisees and spoke truth to the leaders. And said, he was without sin can cast the first stone. And he stepped in on her behalf. And then he looked at her and she said, and the last words he said to her were, go and sin no more. So we have this, this broad spectrum of work to be a part of. Live in gospel community and help your church be on mission. If this is your church, be a part of leading out. You've got access, you've got influence, you've got passions and abilities that are different from us by God's design, by the, by the giving of the Holy Spirit, and we all need each other. It cannot be my responsibility. It cannot be Kurt and Hyro's responsibility to bolster you guys. And each, We've got to all be doing that. We've got to be stepping out and calling each other along to this community. I loved, uh, I was going to bring you guys back up, but you guys go get lunch for more time with them. Um, but listening to them, we asked the question of kind of what life and discipleship looks like 
there of what they do. And it was phenomenal to hear. Although the setting is different, the way is the exact same. We've got to be intentional. Find spaces that people already are. Find ways to invite people to spaces that they'll step into in their season of readiness. To the skeptic, to the seeker, to the sojourner, to the de-churched. They're asking the same questions only so that they can lead people to the same answer in Christ. That's all of our opportunities. It was so phenomenal to hear that they even used some similar, I mean, not similar, the exact same language. Like, basically what we're about is making disciples who make disciples. Okay, yeah, I think we've said that before. Like, that's, that's from the Lord, right? That's unit, like, that's, so again, not because coincidence, that's what the Lord leads us to, what the Word leads us to. And so we are, we've all got to be a part. We've all got to step in. Again, like, like I just said, Amber sees it and feels it in a way that I don't. And she is waking me up. The Lord is using her to open my eyes and to challenge me and to not allow me to just stay at a safe distance and, and get up here and talk about it, but to really ask, what do I need to do? How can I really have skin in the game? And we've got to call the world to Jesus he is our hope of glory. There is no other hope. Do we truly believe that every bit of ailment in this world, every bit of, every bit of hurt, every bit of need finds its answer in Christ? We've got to surrender and live a life that shows that. I have to. And we've got to pray. Prayer is spiritual activism. We've got to pray for victims and their families by name, and the vic- those who died are not the only those who were who had the violence acted upon them are not the only victims. When we think about radical grace, the attackers are victims too. If we're looking at the eternal view, they are bound. They are dead. We don't like it. Our sense of justice doesn't want them to find forgiveness. But if we truly understand our sin, we see in Ephesians two. I don't have this up there for you, Will, so I'll just read it. This is describing every one of us. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, walking, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions for our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We talked through the Sermon on the Mount, starting with the Beatitudes this past year. Starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who remember their absolute need for a Savior, and He is Christ. So when we remember that, all of a sudden that sense of earthly justice is brought into right view. to Where we can, yes, strive for truth, strive for justice, but let God be the one who brings justice. Let God be the one who decides what is right and who is right and understanding that we are only any of us are only right if we are right in Christ meaning that his rightness his righteousness is a credit to us and our belief and confession so let us pray humbly let us pray actively let us pray personally and so this morning <laughs> We're going to pray to close. I'm going to read our statement <laughs> of faith about God. And that's going to be it this morning. And I really want to encourage you, challenge you. Go to our website. You can go to the event. There's a link there. 
or you can just go to our website, go to About Us Beliefs. You'll see uh, what we you'll see what we're about to read about who God is, uh, and then you'll see a link that has it, it kind of expanded with scripture references. Um, spend time in that prayerfully. Spend time discoursing that with one another, um, and and again, you want. You want this to be a rich fellowship for you, and you want it to be one that God uses for his glory and purpose. It is going to be when our conversations drip with grace, are girded in truth, and rooted in, in the convictions that come out of that. Um, it can't just be our Sundays and our Thursdays. I pray that it's something that just, again, like we just read in that Ephesians, that amongst one another, we're sharing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're, we're talking, and, and whether we're quoting scripture or not, we are speaking as if speaking oracles of God. A.W. Tozer says, one of the most important things about a person is what comes to their mind when they think on God. And I would say it this way, a right understanding of who God is leads us to having a right understanding of who we are, what our purpose in this world is, and what our hope for eternity is. Thinking about Scripture, how Scripture points us to the necessity of thinking on God rightly and understanding Him rightly. For those who are in Christ who have made that confession, we think of Matthew 22, 28 through 30, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And I've already referenced this. Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So we'll say to love God is to know God, and to know God is to love God. So we need to know him. For those who are seeking, for those who are, are, are on the outskirts of belief or just in absolute disagreement, I would look at Acts 17, 22 through 27, as Paul was addressing the Greeks in Areopagus. It says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this, with this inscription, to the unknown God. They see this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And to those who don't believe, who are skeptics or in disagreement, I just say when we look at our world, what hope is there this God just described does not exist. We have a yearning. Scripture says God placed eternity in the hearts of men. There's a sense, just like these guys, these people, there's a sense that and maybe there's someone that's unknown and God is saying, I, am, I have made myself the knowable God. I am the knowable God. In Christ, I am the knowable God. So there's an invitation there. So this is what we say we believe about our God. Again, I know this is hugely insufficient as far as teaching goes. But as the Lord does, he's taking us in a different direction. Today we get to learn as the church 
this week. Uh, and again, so as you read this, we're going to leave it at that. And I just encourage and implore you guys to spend time uh, in these helpful resources that we have on our website and in time with each other. So this is what we say from Scripture. It says, we believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself to make all things new for his own glory. So we're going to spend the rest of our time just a few minutes praying this morning. And we're going to put the names of all of these recent victims from Orlando um, and, the, and the, the, the shootings that have happened recently. Know that there are so many more names. Uh, so we're going to pray specifically for these just to ourselves. If there, if, and as you think and pray, if you know of someone, just personally pray for them that are hurting. Pray for, pray for the Lord to understand, help us understand how we can come alongside, rejoice well, and mourn well expressing his heart for his creation, letting our heart be broken for what breaks his heart. And ultimately, every one of us, first and foremost, finding freedom in Christ and our identity in Christ. So, with that, we're going to pray. The names will be up on the screen. And uh, just spend some time just with yourselves praying, and then we'll kind of move on uh, to communion. I'll start us and I'll close us and I'll leave some time in between. So Lord, right now, we just pray as a people, Lord, knowing that we are all just coming into this space, uh, different journeys that have got come to today, different beliefs. Lord, I pray for those who are seeking, those who are skeptical. Lord, I, I, I pray that with all that is going on in hearts and minds, I pray just for your truth to break through, for you to uh, revelate and illuminate your truth to the questions, God, or to see your goodness, or to see that you are a sovereign creator, God, Lord, that we can be in all of you, and we can also find comfort, and that you are a sovereign creator, you are also good, or that you are loving, that you are infinitely perfect, or that you are always good, Lord, that you, you, you rule over us, God, you care for us as our heavenly Father. Lord, you made a way for us in Christ. Lord, you lead us and empower us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, you redeemed us to yourself. Lord, that we have an eternal hope and a present purpose. So as we pray now, let us pray as your people, a people that have your heart grafted in, a people that have your purpose coursing through our veins. Lord, that we would not live at a safe distance. That we would run to the need, run to the fire. We would rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Lord, be zealous over truth, your glory, and your purpose over everything else. Whatever we pursue, let us pursue you first. Whatever we rest in, let us see that it is not restful unless it is in you and of you. Or as we step into this time of prayer, just specifically for those who are mourning the families of these whose names are on this list, we pray that your work will be done in our hearts and in their lives. 
but again, that you would be glorified, that your church would be used. So we give you this time.